I'm Ashley Aiken. And I'm Chris Cerna. The wedding industry has unintentionally perpetuated a culture of chasing perfection at the cost of your relationships and mental peace. We know this because we've spent a combined 16 years photographing weddings. Together, we dive into the silent struggles of the modern engaged couple, like you. Our goal is to empower you to pop that perfection bubble, embark on the journey of self-awareness, forge your own wedding planning path, and and ultimately ultimately cultivate a healthy and thriving marriage. Ashley, today we are finally able to release an episode on a topic that you and I have been talking about and very excited about and know that there is a need for since the very early phases of even dreaming about this podcast. Absolutely. This is one of those that we keep saying, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, this needs to happen, and the time never felt right. And it's like, how do we talk about this? What's the best execution? Neither of us really went through it, but we witnessed people go through it that are sending messages into our DMs. And so knowing this was such a need, we had to have this guest on. Who And, and it's uh, like the perfect guest. The, like that's ah, who we were waiting for. Absolutely. We, we have it. We yeah. have her. She, if you're tuning in for the third installment of <laughs> Abigail Branny's interviews this is potentially it is the most important because this is something nobody talks about and today when we enter when we're interviewing abigail we're going to be talking about wedding day blues and this is a real thing you can google it wedding day blues and you are going to find dozens and dozens and dozens of articles written on this very topic ashley i don't know if you have the definition in front of you um for wedding day blues. Do you happen to have that? I do. It is something that happens to a person when couples experience a period of letdown following the excitement of planning the wedding. And so this is basically you wake up the next day and you kind of are filled with, with like, man, that's it. Like that happened. And now what? Now what? Like what, what can I throw myself into or What's my life's purpose? I've been wrapped up in being a bride or a groomer. I've been, because it's not only brides, like grooms also can experience this. What's next? What else is exciting? Is my life ever going to have the same high as that period in my life? Because it literally can become your identity. Yeah. I mean, after spending months and months, you know, uh, six months, 12 months, 18 months planning a wedding, it's like it becomes. And in a weird way, kind of you, your identity, like it gets molded. It doesn't become all you are, but your purpose definitely gets tied up in, in this because you're focused on it for so long. And so to then have the day pass, you wake up the next day and you're like, okay, now what? Well, I guess we do this or we do that. And Abigail has a very interesting piece of her story that she shares um, with her even becoming a mother way earlier than they planned. And this was not in their plans. They had, she had these dreams and these desires and things that she wanted to accomplish. And so there are many layers. And I know that she's not the only one that has probably experienced this. Exactly. And if you listened to episode 20 that released last Monday, you heard that 
Abigail and Darren, her husband, threw the most amazing wedding reception that was super, super unique. You heard all of the details and the intention that went behind how they made their wedding day an experience to remember for all of their guests and for them to just like start the day or the party, I guess, start the party off with such a high energy, which is not something I've literally ever seen in my entire career. Yeah. And so she starts her wedding day off or her wedding reception again off with this bang and this power and energy and, and everybody's involved building and building and there's never a low moment and she doesn't really have wedding regrets big ones in hindsight it's been a couple of years now that she's worked through anything little that she had regrets over but for throwing such an epic party which is why she's so perfect to speak on this because you wouldn't expect someone who was hoping to throw the most unique wedding reception that was just a party people were talking about you wouldn't expect them to fall into the wedding day blues the post-wedding blues or a deep deep depression pretty much immediately following the wedding day right yeah that's not something you wouldn't you i think people would be shocked um to know that like a wedding executed at that level of like fun that there was you know uh wedding day blues associated with that and so i'm so excited for you all to listen to this episode because um first off abigail does an amazing job just being vulnerable and just sharing where she was at and how she processed and what these emotions felt like and and this is something that not many people talk about and she voices this she said she felt like she was alone like she didn't know that anyone else went through these things and so she was ashamed yes there was shame associated with it and so our hope for you if you are someone who has gotten married and has experienced this and has yet to process it that you would begin to process it if you are a bride that is going to be married our hope and we give practical steps on how to like try to um, not let the wedding day blues sink in. We give you some steps. And so our hope, if you are someone that is going to get married, that you are number one aware that this can happen to anyone. Anyone. Yeah. And she says that's something that she thinks in hindsight might have helped her. But of course, she wouldn't. She doesn't know. So these are just practical tips that you can find on the internet. Again, you can find, there's a lot of resources for if you find yourself in these wedding day blues or just to try to avoid getting into that position. And yeah, I'm really excited for you to listen. Without further ado, we wanna invite you to go ahead and dive right into Abigail's interview. Okay, so you have literally so many like wins and you threw like the best party legitimately I think everybody can like agree with this but a big part of your story is that you had you suffered afterwards from the post-wedding day blues and if you don't know what that is you can google it because there's also a ton of helpful articles out there if you find yourself also suffering from post-wedding blues a lot of people do go through this so I don't want you to feel like you're alone which is also why we wanted to have Abigail on here but The post-wedding day blues, it happens when couples experience a period of letdown following the excitement of planning the wedding. 
Does that definition resonate with you, Abigail? Uh, so much, like 10 times over. <laughs> How did the post-wedding day blues show up for you? So, um, yeah, that, that was a, a jolt that I was not prepared for. No, um, I, I know did, we're I, like do, taking a big shift right now. Yes, yeah, it we, is. It, we, we are. Yeah. You, chapter the, two. <laughs> I know, but you had this amazing wedding and that's, I think what's so shocking yeah. is that you don't really have any massive regrets or like wish oh. you did a lot differently. And like, yeah, it's not like the wedding day itself weighed heavy on me afterwards. Right. Yeah. Because and I think that's regret. why this is and important. So to go to go back before you dive in, this is a topic that, and we briefly mentioned this earlier, but this is a topic that Ashley and I knew we wanted to cover, like 100%. And honestly, it was, like we've been wanting to cover it. Like, I feel like we've been saying, is it time yet? Is it time yet? Is it time <laughs> Literally, yet? Literally, I ask Chris almost weekly. I'm like, I like, feel like people time? are suffering with this. And he's like, I don't know. People aren't getting married. And I'm like, you <laughs> I'm thinking right now, like, yeah. And, and then when we saw your post, we were like, shit, like, this is it. Like mm -hmm. now is the time. And so number one, I, I, I just want to, I just want to tell you, like, I'm very, I'm anticipating that you are going to be speaking to people's souls in a way that they may have never heard anyone else speak to before. And that I'm really excited in the best way for couples, not just brides, because I know that sometimes grooms struggle with this too, mm -hmm. but for couples to feel heard, understood, mm -hmm. um, and even feeling like they can have a path forward. Mm -hmm. So I just want to kind of set that up with this before, and you know, feel free to dive in now. Yeah. But Ashley, your original question was, how did the post-wedding blues show up for you? It was, it was a shock for sure. Uh, and, but I think what you just said is, uh, Chris, that like, um, as people, we just want to be heard and understood. And I think that's the perfect, um, explanation of this was, um, the two things that humans need are autonomy and to be heard and understood. Right. Like they need yeah. to, they need to have the connection, but they also need to have autonomy. Those are literally as human beings, what we are created. That is what we need to be happy in this life is the combination of connection and autonomy. Mm -hmm. So connection, um, of being heard and understood, um, and the autonomy, the autonomy came through, um, autonomy by my definition is the sense of individualism, um, identity, okay, gotcha. you know, knowing, knowing who you are and having, um, validity in that, um, and, and somewhat like a knowledge, a confidence in your own individual self and a sense of individualism Gotcha. combined with the connection with other people. Those are the two things as humans we need. So, um, autonomy for me and my individualism came in obviously what we talked about, like just mountains and mountains through my wedding of abundance. Yes. I mean, it's just overflowing because also being an Enneagram four, um, me feeling unique and that sense of autonomy of that I am special and I can do things in my own way. And I don't, I'm not following the trend. I'm not just following in line of what I should be doing. Like that just kills my soul. And, um, and I was well aware of that in myself from what I feel like 
was a young age, whether I knew it or not, like I just always felt like I like being different. I mean, that's shown up in so many ways of my life and from childhood to the way that I dated guys in the past, you know, that I was different. I I was a different quote unquote, I'm different than other girls like Mm -hmm. I'm 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 a girlfriend in this aspect but not in this like and and I knew that you know I I just applied it in so many different ways of my life and dating and planning my wedding and executing my wedding especially and because I've I've loved love for so long of my so much of my life and for so long um obviously the wedding was this almost climax and epitome of my life um that I was so looking forward to and I am one of those girls, no shame. There is nothing wrong with it, girls, that I have been thinking about and planning and waiting for and excited for my wedding from, I mean, I could imagine back in kindergarten, like when I knew weddings were a thing and I saw the dresses and the pretty and the flowers, I'm like, yep, me, that's, I'm, (laughs) yep, I will be doing that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it in the best way, the coolest way the, you know, and make it unique. And, And I really, I did that. Um, and I was, I was very happy with it and proud of it. And I feel like I succeeded. And then, um, I just, I did not realize at the time that I had never really, um, worked on, did the mental work that I was doing for what I wanted my life to look like as my own individual once and self pre-wedding. I never really did that mental work for what my life looks like after my wedding. Wow. And Yeah. Like I, I never really thought through that. I never did that mental work of how, how do I want my life to look like? I I knew what I want my wedding to look like, what I want my dating life to look like, what I wanted my engagement to look like. But it was kind of all leading up to the wedding. Yeah. But, and, and I never noticed that because obviously I thought about being an adult and I've, I've always, anybody that knows me knows that I've always known that my peak, I, even how much I love weddings, and I've looked forward to it and planned for it. I have still always known that my peak in life was not my wedding, was not my twenties, was not high school for, like it is for some people, was not yeah, college yeah. like it is for some people. I have always known that my peak in life where I am going to be my absolute best self is my thirties. I've always looked forward to my thirties so much, but I never really, like I got married when I was 25. Mm-hmm. There's this gap. Right. I, what's, what, what's in between that? right after my wedding. And then I found myself pregnant three months after I got married, which definitely not a part of the plan, right? Oh my gosh. No, that's an understatement. Um, and I know a lot of girls and brides out there can a hundred percent, um, attest to this and relate to this, that, um, my, my intention when I was getting married, I was still shooting what the year of my wedding was my most profitable and busiest year of photographing weddings was also Mm -hmm. while I was planning my wedding. Mm -hmm. So it was absolutely insane. (laughs) But, um, so my goals, I had it laid out for the next five years and I wasn't going to be pregnant until 2022. I was going to be shooting five overseas weddings the year of 2021. And then obviously working back towards that. And I got married in 2018, yeah. 19, 18, 2018. I know. I think I said the same thing to Chris. Yeah. I'm like, I can't remember if it was 2018 or 2019. I, I know. 2018, but 2020 <laughs> screws me up. So I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Like you're, you were planning 2021, a couple, a few years in advance. You're like, yeah. this is my goal. My yeah. goal is I'm going to do five overseas weddings and you're yes. going to work towards that. 
Yes. And then I found myself pregnant, um, which mind you, three months after my wedding, I got pregnant. Um, and so in those three months, um, it, it was like, I, I didn't know that I was um, feeling a depression or sliding into the depression. I didn't really know that was the label. Yeah. Um, but it was, I did feel like even afterwards, like we went on a week long honeymoon to Joshua tree and Palm Springs. And that was absolutely amazing. We were on, I mean, if there's anything above cloud nine, that's what we were. That's where we were. Like we were just the happiest. Um, we were so ourselves and fulfilled and our souls were on fire and we were just where we were meant to be. And we had so many dreams. Um, and it just, you know, I don't know if, if you guys feel this way, but when you go somewhere, somewhere different, a new location, a new place, it just makes you feel like so much more open to possibilities and opportunities. Yeah, yeah no, I get you know? that. Yeah. It just feels like everything opens up. And, and so after our honeymoon, we, um, we were still doing great. And, and mind you, I want to put out there that Darren and I, our marriage, our relationship through this entire time, we're great truly that's interesting yeah that's that's actually a question that we were going to ask you is like how did this affect your marriage at all yeah like, was this a solo struggle kind of thing like yeah that whole that whole thing it it like our relationship and in our connection to each other like we that never faltered like we and so we are very lucky in that like that that we our relationship and our love could um go through that because you know there there are situations where people that are um, head over heels in love, but then something tragic happens. They lose a child and they just, they break away. Like they, right. you know, they don't grow together. They grow apart. Mm -hmm. And that, that is not like, I, I don't blame them for that. I'm not saying like, Oh, you must've not been in as in love as me and right. my husband are like, we don't think yeah. that we're above that at all it's almost we, like you're like lucky like that we are we're like very lucky hold you together because it very well could have pushed you apart 100 percent because i was the only one going through this depression um i so so to clarify um when i got pregnant um then obviously when you get pregnant your hormones go haywire and um not to mention um the almost uh remorse of feeling of getting pregnant when I didn't want to be, um, and and uh, almost uh, what's that word? Um, mourn. I, mourn. I was yep. mourning the the life that I intended for myself. It's it's um, a loss. I mean, it, it, is. it, it is. Yeah, it really is. Up, up to this point in your life, you had plans and things yeah. that you wanted to accomplish, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know, everybody. I feel like I feel like it's kind of taboo. Or people feel like it's taboo to say like, you know, I'm mourning being pregnant, you know, yeah. because there are so many people that it's their, it's their biggest dream. Yes. But that should not dis that should not discredit or invalidate other people who right. are feeling like I had all of these plans. I had mm. all of these things I wanted to accomplish. Everyone has their own unique experience. Yes. Right. In both of these scenarios, both people are are mourning the thing that they can no longer have or, right. or get. I mean, yeah. so you're, you're now coming to this realization that like, Oh, wow. Like I'm mourning yeah. this. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it slid me into, um, a very, uh, strong depression. And I, I would say, um, 
now, like I, I, I would say I'm on the other side of it now, but I, yeah. I was in a very strong depression for two years. The first two years of my marriage are the darkest days of my life. And that's crazy. Like that's so heartbreaking and sad. And, and I, I hate, like I, I'm, I'm almost, you know, uh, I am, I am Catholic and I, I have my own unique relationship with God that um, some would say fits into the Catholic mold and some would say it doesn't. Right. Um, but uh, so I have my own unique relationship with him. And honestly, I struggled a lot with, I was pissed at God because I felt like that this was something that was happening to me. Um, And even though uh, like I I didn't have any control over it and it was so unfair and, and that he created me to be this unique person that loves, um, you know, the aesthetic and the beauty in life. And, and, you know, that's, that's what I, thrive off of and what I love to bring out of other people and what I love to see in people. And like, it's how I interact. It's everything of my being. He created me like this. And yet here I was feeling stripped of all of that. Maybe almost even punished. A little bit. A little bit. I mean, yes and no. Like I just, I just felt empty. Like I describe it to which mind you, I am now, I am in therapy. I've been in therapy um, from, uh, Darren and I did therapy together uh, before we even got married, um, which little tip for that, 100%, everybody needs therapy, go do it. It's, it should be a life skill. It's a thing. Yeah. I <laughs> love that. Therapy. It should be a life skill, yes. <laughs> 100%, they should be, this should, therapy and psychology classes should be to as low as, elementary school. I a hundred percent firm believer. Everybody should go to therapy. It, it should be just integrated into our lives, um, much more commonly than it is. Um, but so I was very quick to, um, jump on, um, medication, um, and therapy, uh, because I knew this whole time that obviously, because I was already going through depression in my pregnancy, that I was highly susceptible to postpartum depression, which is the biological chemical imbalance that literally um, can take lives and, and it no has control over it 100% and it it's it's a dark dark monster dude you know what like we didn't realize i feel like this is a in terms of postpartum depression i feel like it's a phrase that so many people know but many people would never apply to themselves because they don't know what to look for. It's almost 100%. like the most well-known thing that no one knows about. 100%. Because yeah. I know even with Lara, like with Lara, it wasn't until after we got on the other side of of um, our son that we realized, where she had the realization that like, I really think I was not okay during this. That summer. was postpartum. Exactly. Like having that realization that, oh my exactly. God. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. But. No, 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 you're fine. Um, but yeah, no, like one of my best friends, um, she didn't, she went an entire year with no medication and no therapy because she didn't realize that she had postpartum depression, but she did. And once she got in therapy and on medication, she was like, oh my God, like some people just think that that's just the way that the world is. And that's, that's exactly where my depression came from with after my wedding. Um, I immediately 
fell into this depression because I was like, felt like I was just following in line. Now mm -hmm. I was just a robot that I just, I, you know, this is my job. I I'm supposed to have kids. And, um, a lot of it though, I came from, um, my mom's experience. I thought that I was, um, because I am what we say, like my mom's twin, like I'm just like a recreation of her, mm -hmm. um, in so many ways that I, that's been a very deep, deep seated fear that I honestly didn't realize that I had, um, was that, um, my mom was very unhappy when we were young. She, I mean, if you don't know my family, um, I'm the youngest of four and I am 25. My sister's 26, my brother's 27 and my other brother, or sorry, 28. And then my other brother is 30. Like we were all four, like boom, 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 boom. 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 Right. And she was essentially, my dad was starting his construction business. She was totally on her own. And she uh, was incredibly unhappy because she was just going through the motions. She was just surviving. And so I didn't really realize that deep, deep down, that's what I thought was my future. That's what, that's what was waiting for me. Um, and so in combination with that deep subconscious fear, entering into, into this depression, not being able to get out of my bed for weeks at a time while being pregnant when I didn't want to be, and didn't intend to be pregnant, mourning the loss of my wedding and the sense of that unique level of, I would say euphoria of mm. ecstasy, you know, yeah. it was such high. a high yeah. right. and then this loss, this feeling of loss of like, you know, then just going into mundane adulthood. What yeah. else is there that makes me me? What do I want my rest of my life to look like? Spoken as a true Enneagram four man, <laughs> like seriously. Yes. That's Dude. a struggle. Yeah. yeah. It was, force. it was detrimental to my identity. And not, not that the, my wedding was a part of my identity, but it was a part of, of my self-expression of my individuality of like, Hey world, this is who I am. Well, and when this you become, I love. when you become a parent, you pick up this other, this other identity, you pick up a parent identity and Lara and I have had lots of conversations about this, um, where she's told me like, you know, and, and a lot of moms feel like they can't say these things because it makes them a shitty person because it's like, how yeah. dare I say like, it's almost, you can't say it. Right. Because yeah. it's like children are a blessing. We get it. We love our kids, yeah, but totally. also our lives change. And but especially also, like, moms. my life is not mine. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Y your, your, your identity literally shifts to like, now my life is about this new human yeah. and everything that I wanted to do mm -hmm. sometimes not all the time, but in some cases has to be put on hold yes. for who knows how long, Yeah, you know, it really, you really never know. Yeah. Um, I mean, having, having a child does make what you want to do as an individual harder, longer, you know, it takes more effort or you lose more sleep. Obviously you're losing sleep because you have children, but <laughs> you know, you're, you're, you're staying up late to, to work on your hobby, on your passion, you know, versus you could have been doing that when you got off work at five o'clock when it was yeah. just and not, and not even, you know, then there's a whole other aspect that like there, Lara has told me she's processed this with her counselor that 
there are zero wins in parenting is what it feels oh, like. Like 100%. you clean the same stuff every day. You feed them. It's just, it's the same things every day. You feed yes. them, you clean them, you pick up their stuff multiple times a day. Yes. And it just feels like you're losing all day long. Not to mention if you talk to someone who doesn't do it the way that you do it. Oh yeah. The criticism, the judgment. Yes. The like everything. It's, it's, yeah, it truly is. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and that's something that I struggled with my whole life is, is, um, uh, thinking about what other people thought of me being insecure. I've struggled with insecurities my whole life. And, um, and that level of, <clears throat> of thinking that other people see everything that I'm doing, that I am on display and not to mention that people even care about what I'm doing. Nobody cares what I'm doing, but especially add that into parenthood. Like it feels like everybody is judging you. It feels totally. like, because there's so many hundred different ways to parent and none of them are wrong. Well, besides the abuse, obviously, like, obviously, obviously. but, um, you know, of you, um, you know, like I, I told you guys just in, just in conversation, uh, before we started this weddings was that, um, to be totally honest, my, my son liked to sleep on his stomach and that is a big no, no. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't care. I don't care like that, that I, I took the necessary precautions and I, I put in like the extra, you know, checking on him and, and all that sort of stuff. And also it was just my baby specifically, even his pediatrician from day one, his head strength has been out of this world. Right. He, never once. And that was him specifically, even my next child that might not be applicable, mm -hmm. but just my son, Rockney had incredible neck and head strength literally from day one. And so that him sleeping on his stomach was just a little bit less of a risk than it would be for a baby. Like my nephew, he didn't have head strength until he was like six months. Mm -hmm. He was a bobblehead yeah, bobble his entire <laughs> first six months of life. Yeah. And that is not safe for a baby like that to be on their stomach, but it's things like that, the judgment and doing things right or wrong, or you just have to do what's right for your family. And yeah. I, I can tell you for anybody out there that, that need that is struggling with this or whatever, that one of the things that got me through it and is what I told my therapist, my therapist was like, how, how are you able to still be a mom? but not be in this deep, dark depression. Like what, what are you doing? What let's identify what that is. And the, the thing that I think makes a big difference is I do not expose myself to all of that quote unquote knowledge experience. I don't read the blogs. I don't follow the mommies on Instagram. I don't, I don't do that. I don't expose myself to that. I, I read what books um, forward the type of parenting that I know as an individual, I want to raise my child in. I, I do not. Everybody has different opinions. Exactly. Like I don't pick up the books that it's super general, how to raise good kids. Like that, yeah. I, I pick up the book that is about um, gentle and respectful parenting and intentional parenting, how to raise an emotionally intelligent child. Come on. I pick up those specific books and yeah. read them as I see I need fit. If I have questions, I go and get them answered, but I don't expose myself to 
what everyone else is doing. And so what, what happens when you like walk me through what that does to someone's mind when they, what, what does that do when they begin to just let these thoughts come in unfiltered? They don't, it's just like, they just let their minds, minds be bombarded. They're following all the things. Oh my gosh. What yes. happens so to the mind? Everybody has that, the green monster of envy. Everybody has it. Mm-hmm. And that is how I imagine that voice in my head. Um, there's a lot of different terms or identifiers for that voice in your head, but everybody has it. And it, it, it's, it's just a matter of fact like it it, you can't get away from it and if you have not like me um if you are not a total pro at at silencing that um then you know what i'm talking about you you're struggling with that inner voice and so i just i just choose to not feed that voice that's good which and don't even give it the opportunity yeah i just i just don't even listen to that i i it's, and you can apply that to weddings. You can apply that to motherhood. You can apply that to uh, being a teenager. I mean, and you guys know so much about that comparison game in our profession. Oh, totally. And to other people's videos and other people's photos. Like it's, I mean, the comparison game, it literally destroys your joy and your creativity, not, not to, you know, take that off the table that like literally... I feel like it truly murders. It's a crime. It murders my creativity and, and my, my, my own voice, you know, and why, why would I expose myself, which, and I wish that I had done this in high school. I wish I had done this in my profession. I wish I'd done it in college to not expose myself to any other voices before I've heard my own, but that's the key factor you have to do the work on your own. You have to ask yourself those hard questions and listen for your own voice. Yeah. Well, you're not on Instagram. No. And you've kind of never really been. Like I mean, you're, I've, you're, it's never been my strong suit. It was, <laughs> you like, when you weren't on there for work, yeah. and when you were on there for work, you were posting more like portfolio-based you never really spent time on there personally ever. Like you have an account, but it's private and it's not active. And your Facebook account is like a curated collection of people that you love. Like you Mm -hmm. treat social media a lot differently than a lot of people. Like you're like this Instagram world of mommy perfection or wedding perfection is bad for my health. Oh, I don't have space for it. Don't have time for it. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, and there, there's a a lot of different layers to this, but basically in high school, I was the person that, um, tried to be what I thought everyone else wanted me to be. Um, and I think that's why I had a lot of struggles in high school was that I was, I was being ingenuine. And I think whether they knew it or were conscious of it or not, like, I think other people could feel that I was being someone that I wasn't the, the lack of being intentional and genuine and just being who I am. I was trying to be either somebody else, or I was trying to be what I thought that they wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I learned that through stepping away from high school, obviously graduating and then in college. And I think I looked back and, and just being super transparent. Um, I even tried to join a sorority in college and 
that was a huge part. So in this time, I did have my own personal social media. I had this whole time. And a lot of that social media like was important in my brain of getting a good picture or making sure that I was showing that I was with friends or whatever, you know, in, in that time span that or that point in everybody's life where that's right. the most important thing. Um, and and I, I, I felt like I lived for that. And I was, I was uh, constructing my day to fit that mm-hmm. um, of what I wanted to put on display on social media. And that's where a lot of my, my mental state comes from with photography and weddings is I am so turned off to being that person that I am so intentional about not being that person. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's my own personal struggle, but I do know that that's relatable. I know for a fact, how many people are living for Instagram, literally if their life, if they feel like they have a good picture, they stop their life to take that picture and they take a hundred pictures and they spend all the time curating those pictures, editing those pictures, posting those pictures and writing the caption for those pictures. And it's exhausting. I honestly think that our like mental health, like social media is a great tool. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But sometimes cool. it feels it sometimes cool. it feels like the bad outweighs the good. Yes. And the negative like things that can happen with it. It just feels like it's so much more. Like I I don't even know what our world would be like without social media, but I think it would be wow. a lot more positive. Oh, one hundred percent. But it'll never be that again. Ever. No. It'll never ever go away. Nope. Um, but the, the, so that, that's where, yes, like, um, once I graduated college at the end of college, sort of in that time frame of starting B images, cause I started B images right when I graduated college. Um, I officially launched it, signed up taxes and all that fun stuff. <laughs> but, um, I did transfer into once I started doing Instagram and social media for my profession. I did make that choice and I, I pretty much stopped posting yep. to uh, my personal account. And honestly, um, I think we've talked about this before, Ashley, I don't know, maybe not. Um, but even if so, it's, I'm not ashamed that <laughs> I'm like, um, Have I heard you this? and Ashley were a hundred percent. I mean, you guys know, like I've loved your photography from day one, even when you think you were terrible, I thought you were gods <laughs> and <laughs> I've always looked up to you guys, even when Ashley was even, but I even knew Ashley Nola, I was following her photography, mind you, yes. not Ashley Nola. I knew her photography before you guys even met. I saw on Facebook, the very first post that Ashley Nola ever posted that. So this other girl, Ashley Burbank and I went and got coffee and we created this business plan and we're doing it together. I literally saw that launch post. I have followed you from day one. And well, now we like got an OG in the house. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> it's funny. I've told Ashley this before. Like when I moved here immediately, because uh, I moved here in 2012 and uh, I started shooting more weddings in like 2015, 2016. And um, immediately I knew who KB was. And so there yeah. was this whole like yes. starstruck kind of moment, like, oh my gosh. And now I'm yeah. doing a podcast, you know, because like they're half fools. of the duo. Yeah. It's like their, their experience that they created. Like I mm-hmm. always looked up to that and that really helped formulate exactly who I already was, but who I knew that I wanted to create a business experience. And, um, and Ashley and Ashley, you guys were 
it was right when um, the very beginning of you guys curating and um, creating content intentionally for your personal accounts. And your yes. personal accounts were very aesthetically pleasing and yes. flowed and yeah. And <laughs> we don't do that anymore. Right, right. But yes, I remember what, I mean, I want to say it was around like 2016 or 2017 or something. Which is so. 2016 was the year that I started, started officially. I launched B Images. Yeah. I went from Abigail Joy Photography to B Images. Um, and yeah, so in 2016. And so I saw that and I knew for myself that I was killing, uh, the comparison game was absolutely killing me. And, and I also knew that I was not willing to put in the level of effort, which you know now, yep. the level of effort that goes into curating a personal and a business yep. Instagram nope. account. Yep. It's exhausting. <laughs> it is terrible. Oh, and terrible. I, I knew that I didn't want to be that. So in my mind though, it was either I'm going to do that or I'm not. And so I chose, I'm not. And so I just exited that. I deleted all of my posts or I archived them or whatever. And, and I took that off so that I could focus on my business with the intention of doing a personal in the future, but obviously that never happened. Um, and still to this day, um, I, I don't have a personal account. I don't, well, I do, but I don't post it. Um, I have multiple accounts. I have my Abigail Ranny that I follow all of my mommy stuff. If I want to like the Montessori toys and I follow shops and, and stores that I can buy my unique clothing for my child and not do the basic, but little side note, buy secondhand kid to kid for cl kids clothes, hundred percent. Don't waste $30 on a shirt yeah, that's brand oh new God. from a boutique that's aesthetically pleasing. I buy aesthetically pleasing clothes secondhand, and it's the best thing I've ever done. And sustainable. Heck yes. Yeah. And sustainable. Good for the earth. Please. Heck yeah. Also, on the west yes. side, 100%. There's, there's other secondhand stores. Like, there is absolutely nothing wrong. I get name brand clothing if I want to for five bucks. I will yep. let someone else pay full price and I buy it secondhand. There and there's go. absolutely nothing wrong with it. And it's great condition. It's perfect. Nobody knows. Blah, 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 blah. Little tangent on that. Anyway. <laughs> I agree, sister. I love Preach it. that. Yes. Um, Kids' but, clothes are uh, so freaking expensive. It's ridiculous. Oh. It's crazy. My son was six months old and he had a pair of $36 shoes. Why? Yeah. That he's going to grow out of in two months. Yes. Which, you know, I've saved them. They're in his little boxes and, you know, it's great. And they'll grow to my next kid, even if it's a girl, like she's going to wear those high top sneakers and she's going to rock them, but <laughs> <laughs> they're just not necessary. But it's, it's that level of like, I only expose myself to it when I want to, when yeah. I'm for something. Yes. And then I have my B images where it has all of my photography obsession that like when I feel like it, I get on that. Um, and then I also have other accounts for literally my future dreams. I have accounts that are curated to only follow that topic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's a part of me that I really, I would love to do um, like craft shows and crafting. And um, I want to be like a female woodworker and, and carpenter literally to the fullest extent. And I have I an account that. that follows those things. So when I'm interested in that, when I'm on that fire and I, I want to learn more about that, I go to that Instagram account. I, you're literally curating the yes. noise that's entering you. So yes. it's not yeah. all noise. And it's because also not, I'm so aware how suffocating that noise can be. 
Wow. So I have a very direct question that I want to ask you um, because I do think that there are going to be many brides that resonate with what you're saying, but to, but depression feels like such an extreme phrase, like Mm -hmm. it does to go from like, I'm sad to depressed. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's miles and miles and miles between those. And so I think that there are a lot of people who probably are depressed and they don't even realize it. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me some of the thoughts and things that you were telling yourself that were going on in your head when you were wrestling with this? Well, specifically, I want to do both. But for post-wedding blues, what were the thoughts that were going in your head? Um, Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, I guess the difference between the two, because I do feel like there was a period of just wedding day blues and then a period of depression. Yeah. And those are two very different things, um, but also the very same thing. Um, It's weird. Um, But the the post-wedding day blues um, was a level of um, mourning, I do think is the right word, of mourning um, the, how much fun I was having in planning my wedding and how much I loved it. And not to mention how much fun I had on my wedding day. Like that's all Darren and I could talk about was, oh my God, I just want to live in that day forever. And how many bride and grooms say that, um, that they, they wish they could relive their wedding day over and over and over. And, um, so it's, it's a level of mourning that almost euphoria, ecstasy feeling, Um, and just going back to regular life, um, because so much of the wedding planning process is anticipation, it's excitement, it's planning Uh, for the future. And so then after your wedding, you have nothing else to plan. You have no questions to answer, which to some extent into a couple, a lot of other brides, that's a massive relief. I'm done. I don't have any more questions to answer, but for, for other brides, that was me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was my best friend. Like she was like, I'm done. I don't even yep. want to talk about my wedding for the next month. Like, <laughs> uh, like it was a great day, but I don't want to like talk about the logistics and the answers and you know, the questions. Right. Yeah. Like that's just exhausting to some people, but to some people it's, um, it's a level of excitement, even though it has a level of stress, it's still, it's, it's almost like something to that keeps your mind busy. Your mind has been so focused on this topic for so long. And then once it's done, it's almost like there's just like space in your brain. And it's like an an empty feeling of some sort that like, it's like, what do I do with my time? What do I do with my attention? What do I do with my passion? Like, what do I do with my excitement? Or like, there's no excitement, there's no passion, there's no anticipation. Do you, yeah. you, you had mentioned that you didn't, I know the word identity got tossed around yeah. in this. And I know that you said you didn't, I think you said you didn't place all of your identity into wedding planning, but do you feel like that there are people that do this? Like they place their identity in wedding planning. It becomes who they are. There's well, this they become planners. Season. They become a bride, not a person. Yeah. Or, oh, that's good. Yeah. And then when you're not a bride anymore, then you have to go back to being just a boring person. And so it's it's almost like there's this struggle to like, how do I move forward? I've My life for the last six months, a year, year and a half has been in this role. Like now I have to become this whole other thing, which is number one, you know, 
kind of like now you're married. So now you got a whole nother dynamic to figure now out your wife, yeah. you know, and all of this stuff. And then maybe sometimes still trying to be a, a young professional or, you know, mm-hmm. all of these other things. How can we like, what would have helped you navigate that season Ooh. better? Do you think just simply knowing that it's a, it could have been a thing? Like what would have helped you? Um, that's a tough question. Um, because I'm not, I'm not so sure. And it's hard to know, right? Like being on the other side, it's, it's hard to know looking back what would have helped you. Um, but I, if I had to guess, um, and assume, I, I think, I think, yeah, like, I think what we're doing right now, talking about it, making it normalized, normal conversation. And, and if it had been, I mean, cause, cause the fact of me, um, mourning the loss of my wedding, which mourn in that context sounds dramatic, but, um, just, you know, losing that aspect of my attention and, and that something to do. And, you know, um, if that had even been talked about one time, I think I really could have saved myself a, a lot of mental distress because also I felt like I was the only one. I felt like mm. that, that I, because, because I'm an Enneagram four and because unique and, and creative and pretty things is all, you know, wrapped up in, in my personality and, and is a part of how I identify from, you know, an Enneagram eight or whatever, like it does, it makes me who, who I am. Um, but to a certain extent, like I kind of felt like I was being um, dramatic. I was being ridiculous. I was being shallow. I was being materialistic. I, you know, that, that this is, this is ridiculous. Like you, I I felt like I was being, um, that stereotype that so many people look down upon that, you know, your whole life, your wedding was your peak in life. Like, no, it wasn't. And it, my peak hasn't even come yet. It's a hundred percent my thirties. I still have confidence in that. I even knew that during and after my wedding, but, um, yeah, a wedding is such a period of ecstasy and euphoria that, that when it's over, there is a loss. And I, I do, I, I think that if it was even talked about just a little bit, I think I I could have, because I am good at doing the mental work. I'm good at thinking about thinking. I love psychology. And so I do think that I would have dove into that um, mental space and prepared myself for that. But never once did I hear about that before my wedding. Not once. And not after my wedding. Like, yeah, yeah like a lot of shame surrounding, am I not grateful? Why am I feeling this way? Like materialism, shame, all the things that come with that. But you said like, when you say mourning the loss of your wedding and like everything was such ecstasy and whenever you lost that, you didn't fill that part of your life up with anything else. And Chris and I talk a lot on the podcast about how if you don't fill something, like if you don't intentionally fill your mind with something like life will fill it for you or your mind will go crazy. And like, you didn't have that wherewithal at the time until now looking back that you weren't planning for life after the wedding. And so nothing was filling it. And so you just had this emptiness and it's like, makes so much sense. If I would have known and thought about, okay, 
what am I going to look forward to now? Like, what is my next thing to look forward to? That could give you also a continued sense of hope. Like, it's not all about the wedding. I love the wedding. I'm going to enjoy it. But then I'm going to look forward to this part of my life. Very much. I I do feel like if I had like something mentally, um, you know, ready to look forward to, um, whether it was big or small, like just like a hobby or, you know, doing, doing a little something that just gives me that joy and doing that with intention Mm -hmm. that, and knowing that like, literally there's, there's going to be space in my brain that was so filled with the wedding. Um, and now that that is empty and over that, that, okay, like let's, let's divert to something else that makes me excited because I had a lot of things after my wedding that I had plans for. Um, but I, that was just in the distant future. You know, that wasn't something that was, that was right then and there that would continue my sense of autonomy and being heard and understood and whatnot, you know, like it, it, it was just, um, there was this very deep subconscious feeling of, I now am just a robot that follows in line. I am now a mom that my life doesn't belong to me. And, um, my life is just like, what do I have to look forward to? That's as big as my wedding. What do I have? I have work. I have my quote unquote, which I do feel like every woman and every man, a hundred percent, um, somewhat struggles with, uh, what their mental mindset is on what is, um, what follows under the title of husband. Oh, yes the expectation of what a husband looks like, the expectation of what a wife looks like. Um, Like, I remember this is kind of a funny thing now, but it was such a small, but also it's a big thing that after we got married, um, almost immediately when Darren would come home from work, if he had, uh, when he would come home from work, he thought that he should just crack open a beer because that's, that's what his dad always did. That's what dads do, right? Family of origin. Yes. Like he, he thought, but like, we are not drinkers. Like that's not our thing. And it was like, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yes. But that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what feels right. And like, when I go out and like work on something outside, if I mow the lawn, if I fix something around the house, like I need a beer, like, you know, that, that's me though. (laughs) Mental construct, which is totally fine. Yes. Yes. That's so true. And so that's, that's why it didn't fit. And that I was like, excuse you. It is a Tuesday at five 30. <laughs> we don't are agree. not cracking open a beer because that's not who we are. But if that is Chris, if that's, if that's what you do and that's, that's a part of what makes you, you, uh, there is nothing wrong with that. hundred percent do totally you. Yes. Yes. But it's, it's that mental construct of what it's supposed to look like. And, and it's different for it's different yes. husband, wife, like whatever 100%. you whatever a couple decides and almost like what if what if that's the thing that needs to be planned like that's the space that needs to be filled like what if there was this emphasis on like okay you plan for your wedding now it's time to plan for your life like what kind of family do you want to be what kind of husband do you want and have a conversation about it like where you guys yeah, yeah like expectation for for what it means to be a husband and a wife like you're you're a bride and you're a groom and then automatically but literally just without you even doing anything besides throwing the wedding you are a husband and a wife now what does that mean what does that look like dude like think of same sex couples. They don't, they're like, okay, like 
there's, you fall into these paths, but it's also like, let's have this conversation because like, we don't really, there's not a like layout of what it's supposed to be like. Right. You yes. Know? So it's almost like, let's have this discussion. And almost like they're more open to that conversation yes. than heterosexual couples. Yes. Oh my gosh. Because yes. They, because they already don't fit the typical paradigm. Like right. they already have to, they're already thinking outside of the box because oh, which yeah, is amazing. Yeah. I'm almost jealous. Like that they have that, they get to have that innate openness from the beginning of what do we want our life to look like? Look and, like. Oh my gosh. Heterosexual couples need to do that. Just take a note. Fun. As same-sex couples, yes, learn from that. that Take a note. You have that ability. Create the life you want. Yes, and I, being a heterosexual female, I felt trapped in being what I felt like my life was already planned out to be, what it was already going to look like. It's typical in this way. Obviously, I'm going to paint my house a different color and whatnot, but whoop de freaking do Like, you know, I I need more than that as to what my life wants to look, or what I want my life to look like as a wife and what I want my husband to be and what, how I want him to be in his role. Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. It's weird. Cause when you say this, I think of like when Justin and I, it's not even when we got married cause we've been together for so long, but there was a point that I was like, okay, I'm going to do the cooking. I'm going to do the cleaning. He's going to go to work. I'm going to make sure there's lunch for him. Why? Like, why did I like, and now he's, yeah. he does all the cooking and like yes. I do and the dishes every once in a while. And you've said that this shift for you guys has been life-changing monumental like, oh, and literally changed the dynamic game, in your home game changer. he cares more about food why am i the one cooking like yes. so it's like customize your life for you and maybe that is the next thing to look forward to and that's something you yeah. can fill so you don't fall into this post-wedding blues where you don't know what to do with your time anymore because you're in time yeah. also something i read which was really cool i think and you'll have to tell me how you feel because i don't know if you did this but take a day off with your spouse and like nobody's allowed to talk wedding planning like we're supposed to live our lives outside of being a bride and a groom yes or a bride and a bride or a groom and a groom. i like, love that idea outside of weddings because we still that's still going to exist when the wedding is gone you're still totally. gonna have to have conversations when the wedding is gone our conversations will not all surround wedding planning dude it's almost like empty nesters like when you have yes. You know, parents who yes. where their relationship is centered around the kids. Kids are gone. They're like, well, what the hell do we do now? Like 100%. It's, it's that same vacuum that needs to be filled. Um, yes. Just side note for listeners, we've got on this topic of, of, of like the, what needs to be filled. It's like we're trying to navigate um, like who we're going to be, the kind of couple we're going to be. That We cover this whole topic in episode five. WTF is a family of origin and we go in depth like examining Hey, here's what you take from your 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 family, and then your spouse takes from their family. Now there's two families merging, and you guys essentially have to decide what kind of family you want to be. And if you guys don't have a conversation, the new married couple does not have a conversation, you're just going to constantly clash. You're going to fight over and over again because these two households are trying to be one, but you haven't decided what household you're going to be. So check that out in episode five. Okay, Abigail, we have unpacked so many things about weddings, wedding planning, throwing a kick-ass party, and the big part of your pivotal story and your mental health post-wedding and the depression that you went through. So with that, what is one piece of advice to anybody that is struggling with post-wedding blues? What is something that you would want to tell them? Go to therapy. 
get on medication a hundred percent like talk about it um don't please 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 don't feel like you're alone do not feel like it's ridiculous or whatever like it, it therapy should be such a normal normal healthy thing and um and get on getting on medication if that's what's necessary if and and super quickly if it helps my definition of of when i needed to get on medication and the difference between the wedding day blues and the depression postpartum yeah yes was the fact that not even the postpartum but like being depressed mm -hmm. while i was pregnant prepartum like, yeah yeah like literally i truly do feel like i was in the depression part of that um but the difference between the two being that um things that normally brought me joy and made me happy I had no interest in doing mm. that, um, making crafts, um, painting anything, uh, uh, decorating my house, painting a wall in my house, um, you know, anything home decor, uh, um, going shopping, um, going out to lunch with friends, anything that, that just genuinely brought me joy. Um, I had zero interest in doing. Um, and that, that is what is depression, um, wedding day blues, post wedding day blues. I feel like, you know, um, you just need to mentally be intentional about what, uh, you fill your brain with, fill your day with, um, doing activities and being excited about something in the future. Um, depression is where, um, the lights are out there you you can't even see forward um literally the only thing i did for weeks on end was watch netflix um and i only worked uh did my work that i still had to do i did it at the very very last moment um because i absolutely had to and i think that was forcing my brain into fight or flight mm -hmm. and that's when i could focus and accomplish a task um but that was it was when the stakes were super super high and i would just literally i was just watching netflix um on social media i was mindlessly watching snapchat stories from like people magazine and like stuff like that like stuff that like i hate like right now that i'm on the other side of it i hate doing that stuff mm -hmm. but something that took my attention away without me having to do anything was yeah. all my day consisted of i would get out of bed or get off the couch to go get food and i'd be right back in it yeah. I, so that's I, when you knew it was like yes. medication also needs to intervene here. 100%. With your wedding itself, how did you, because these were intermixed, this depression and then your post-wedding blues with your post-wedding blues. And now that you're over all the humps, what has gotten you through, what got you through the blues aspect? Um, I didn't, I didn't know that it was post wedding day blues. I really didn't. So it, it was a struggle all the way through. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, there's nothing that got me through it because it only got worse. <laughs> yeah. It literally spiraled into yes. 100% because hormones got involved because I was pregnant, pregnant. when I didn't want to be. And, and, um, a small little note, um, I had, I have ADD. If you can't tell by the way that I talk, um, going off on every single little tangent possible. Um, so I have struggled like we do that as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I had been on Adderall for eight years, um, prior to this, and I had just gotten off Adderall, which side note, you cannot be on Adderall when you're pregnant. 
And I, I just, um, got to this point in my life. I, I didn't always want to have to take a pill to mm-hmm. function in my day. And so I was done with school. I was done with all of that. And I was, I didn't, I just wrapped up my hardest year of business. I knew the next year wouldn't be as hard. And so I made the decision to, I just wanted to kind of detox my body because yeah. I felt like I was having those wedding day blues. Um, and little side note, um, in December, because I kind of felt like this, this imbalance, um, I also took out my birth control, not with the intention of getting pregnant whatsoever. Mind you, it was really just a detox, a, detox, a health. I wanted, I, I could feel something was off. Was and I, after your yes, okay. I stopped my birth control December, stopped Adderall in January, pregnant in February, okay. which by the way, per my doctor, I was not supposed to be able to get pregnant like with how much the influx of hormones and regulators in my body and the transformation that it was going through, I should not have been, um, going through my cycle. Um, I should, I should not have been able to get pregnant. Um, but I did. And, um, and so, you know, I was also assured that like, I wasn't going to be fertile or pregnant or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, yeah, when, um, this big influx, I was trying to detox, cleanse my body and then going through the hormones of pregnancy. Um, yeah, it just, there was nothing to help me or stop me. I almost feel like it was inevitable. And now being on the other side, I do see the value a hundred percent in what I learned and my difference of perspective. Um, I do think to a certain extent, um, I needed to go through that so that I wouldn't, um, constantly for the entire rest of my life, I wouldn't miss my single life. Yeah. Does that make sense? That, um, that I wouldn't miss that because in order to do that, I would have to go through those two years of just utter darkness and under no circumstances would I ever want to go back to that for anything. And you know what I mean? So I, I it's that kind of mental, like, I think I had to go through this massive desert, Mm -hmm. um, to not feel like the grass will never be as green as it used to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think if there is anything that, that could maybe help someone with the, with the wedding day blues is, is, yeah, is what we've talked about. Please do, please don't do what I did, (laughs) you know, think about it ahead of time you know, be intentional with your time and your mental space and your emotions and, and be intentional with stepping into your next role as husband and wife or wife and wife or husband and husband, like whatever, like be intentional about the next step in your life and don't do it carelessly. And don't, don't let yourself get wrapped up in what you think you should be doing. Wow. That was so good. Gosh. I've loved everything about this. Good. <laughs> I'm so glad it came across. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm more than I'm so excited. That's awesome. So excited for our listeners to be able to hear this stuff because you've just had, you've just had so many great things to say. Uh, Abigail, go ahead and take a moment and plug yourself. Any, is there anywhere that people can follow you? I know you said you got some new ventures coming. Like where can people go to find this stuff? Anything that you want to plug, feel free to just do Ooh, yes. Okay. Thank you. So, um, yeah, even though, uh, B images, I'm not taking on any more weddings, um, because I value your wedding and you deserve the best. I'm just not able to give that to you. So 
for those of you that may be sitting in my email box of images or have texted me, I'm so sorry. And I truly, I wish you the absolute best. Go to KMB and <laughs> Ashley and a ton of other photographers that um, you can reach out for recommendations to any of them. They're such a great community. But yes, um, with no longer taking on weddings, I just, I really, I just want to help. I want to continue doing this. I want to sit down face to face or let's do a Zoom. Um, and I want to talk about what you want your wedding day to look like. Um, if you're an upcoming bride, or even if, if, if you're thinking about getting engaged and you're not even engaged yet, and, and you want to know how to go through that process, boys, men, um, I actually have contemplated the idea of being a proposal planner. Um, that's something that Ooh. I'm also super passionate about. I would absolutely love, I would love, 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 love to help you plan your proposals. Um, because it's about the the mental aspect of making it personalized to your girl or your boyfriend or whatever like whatever whoever's proposing to who i'm there for it and i want to help if you want my help i'm all about it um and you can uh reach out to me for any questions wedding related pre-wedding related how to go about things wedding vendors you know how to go about address the mental aspect of getting a dress or questioning your dress or I mean, literally anything on the sun, nothing's off the table, especially if you need help with your finances in your wedding. I know budgeting is such a massive thing and what to expect. You have no idea if flowers cost $500 or $5,000. I can help you with that. I can help you with expectations, um, where to go and the, the people to look for and enjoy working with. I got you. So um, I am starting a brand new Instagram um, and I uh, will have brand new posts. So don't be scared that there's not a whole lot of posts on it. I promise I'm legit. I promise I'm real, but it's <laughs> <laughs> Abigail Bridal Consulting. Uh, you can DM me on that Instagram. Um, it'll be, it'll be brand new, but I am so excited to share all of my knowledge, answer your questions, help in any way that I can, because it's not your fault that this is your first wedding but it's not my first and I'm here to help. So just reach out, DM me. If you know someone that has my phone number, please reach out. No boundaries are crossed. I will reach out to you as, as uh, I have the minute to get back to you, but I promise I will. So I'm sold. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. Sign me up. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much, Abigail, for joining us today. I cannot wait for our listeners to consume this and to hear how they, how much they loved it. Oh, I hope so. I've loved talking to you guys. Thank you so much for having me on this, giving me the the time and the hours to ramble on because I love it. Well, absolutely. It was so great. It was good to have you. Listeners, if you haven't already subscribed to the subscribed, I said that past tense, I mean, future tense, subscribe to this podcast, leave us a review if this has impacted you at all. And Otherwise, we will see you on Friday for our next Bride Mini Breakdown. Bye.